Hi everyone, welcome to the Restoring Rapport podcast. My name is Seth Hensley and this is a show dedicated to young believers pursuing the goal of healthy marriage and family. You know, we live in a world where getting married and starting a family is far too often postponed for longer than God designed and pushed to the back burner in favor of less important things. But the good news is that it doesn't have to stay this way. As young believers, we have the choice to prioritize what matters most in our lives every day and to live face to face with God and others. Every Thursday and Sunday on this show, I'll be sharing research conducting interviews and reviewing articles on the importance of marriage and family for society. I'll also be releasing exclusive content such as spoken word poetry, allegorical short stories, and bonus episodes for subscribers. Friends, God did not set us up to live life alone. The truth of the matter is that every minute of your adult life that you wait to marry is a minute of your life that you're not spending with your life partner. While some might be content to live with the consequences of this arrangement, I would argue that those who wish to spend as much of their life as possible with their mate are perfectly within reason and soundness of value to do so. It is my deepest hope that this podcast inspires Generation Z to pursue marriage, become the best spouses and parents the world has ever seen, serve with furious intentionality, love well, and discover the joy of hanging the moon for another. To access my sources, subscribe to the show, or get your copy of my latest book, visit anchor.fm slash seth-hensley, or check out the show notes of each episode. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 128 of the Restoring Rapport podcast. We're super excited for the content we've got planned out for you guys today. As always, this is a podcast about keeping marriage and family as central goals for young believers and prioritizing relationship in a world of many distraction. And today we are going to finish up the article covering the interaction between Jesus and the woman at the well. Again, it was written by Mary Ortwine, and she is a retired marriage and family therapist uh, who writes from the Catholic perspective. And we're going to read a little bio of her at the end just to kind of get a better idea of the author and and her history uh, when it comes to the and her, maybe even her personal connection when it comes to this story so stick around for that at the end but we're going to finish up the article today last week just to give you a brief synopsis the main thing we covered was that ministry can occur, can occur effectively on a small scale and that grand scale ministry has its place through preaching and evangelism and things like that. But in the end, if you want to impact the nations, to use the words of Mother Teresa, go home and love your family is a better way to live. Uh, go home and love your family, end quote, is a better way to live. You know, ministry can occur on a, a small scale and it can be effective because what happens in this story unless I remember very incorrectly, is that when, once Jesus has absolutely rocked this woman's world and changed her life, is she goes back to town and says, come and meet the man who's told me everything about that's ever happened to me in my life. And that from that one personal transformed life, the whole city has changed. And what, what the main point that I wanted you to get from last week's article is that we need to be, as believers, often less focused on changing the world and more focused on stewarding and taking care of the relationships, the intimate, close relationships that God has placed right in front of us. Um, if we are forsaking those, if we are forsaking the unbelievably valuable, valuable relationships that God has entrusted to us, then we are not stewarding the relationships God has given us well. We are not to become so uh, drawn to personal grandeur and grand scale change that we forget to water the grass that is ours, that we have been given, right? We have to take care of our personal relationships. We have to take care of those that are closest to us first. And then through that, through that willingness to minister to one person or one or two or three people, the world is actually changed because of that. 
And that's the principle that I wanted you guys to understand it through last week's episode. This week's episode, I'm going to finish up her article and see what I think about the remainder of what she says. She said her last subheading is, who is the woman at the well to me? So this is going to be her um, personal thoughts on the woman at the well, her personal relationship to the character of the woman in the well, um, and what what that is to her personally, individually. She says, quote, I admire her. I can barely imagine myself to that bold, that bold, that unconventional. So I can't quite say she's my other self, and yet she is. So she, this author is saying that this, the one with the well is clearly more bold, more unconventional than she is, but yet there is some striking similarities. There's a camaraderie there. She says, because on the inside where Jesus found the gold, her thirst is my thirst. So she say, again, Bringing that back to the commonality thing we talked about last week, the setting of the story, how Jesus actually ministered to this woman at a place where all humans have to go. We all have to drink. We all have to drink water to live, right? And naturally, you're going to have that in common with whoever you meet there. So Jesus is setting up the ground. He's preparing the ground of her heart through something that he has in common with her, which is water, right? He th- Again, you might think it's impossible to interact with people. You might think there are people in your life that you know who it's so difficult to converse with and so difficult to interact with because you have nothing in common. You're polar opposite personalities. And I totally get that. I have people in my life like that. It's very difficult to interact with those people and minister to them and serve them uh, in a way that they understand. But what you can do is, guys, I want you to notice through the story, there's always something, there's always common ground that can be found. There's always common ground that can be found, even if it is just food and water. Hi guys, this is just a quick reminder that you can use the link in the show notes to send me a voice message with a comment or a question. I mean, uh, there's always common ground that can be found, and Jesus successfully finds that. He meets in a wonderful place for ministry. Um, He meets in a place where he can minister to her without prying ears. He meets in a place where uh, she is free to speak her mind without fear of judgment of other people. He meets in a place where... um, you know, that again, that draws people to it because it's water. And he, he sits down and he starts the conversation by asking her for a drink of water, right? Which is a pretty normal conversational uh, route today. Now, back then, uh, we discussed how Jews and Samaritans didn't talk to each other and men and women didn't talk to each other. So it's kind of a double, double whammy in the sense of it wasn't done. But today, he starts the conversation off pretty surface level. But just like two or three sentences in, man, he's attack. He's, you can see him steering the conversation toward what he knows as God is the most, um, vulnerable and, and, in need of repair state of her life, the most vulnerable and broken part of her life, he starts driving the conversation there. Jesus does not beat around the bush. We talked about that last week. He does not beat around the bush. He goes to the problem. He goes straight to the problem. He ignores all surface level things that do not help you, and he goes straight to the problem. He fixes what is wrong with his children. He's bringing restoration to what is wrong with his children. So I just love that. Those are a couple recaps from last week, but she says... Where Jesus found the gold, her thirst is my thirst. And in my cave, my hidden place, I can be bold too. I'm learning to be. I'm learning to not be afraid. There's one thing about the woman at the well. There is no sign of fear in her. Her ready honesty helped Jesus be honest, forthright, bold himself, and in doing so, touch his own gold. It's God's economy. Uh, There she closes her article. Very interesting way to close it. I would say that... Fear is the killer of love, which is a scriptural concept, but that also destroys relationships because if you're afraid, 
again, this is my personal experience. Those of you who, by the way, are in a season beyond me or um, unable to adopt what I'm saying for whatever reason, don't feel guilty about that. I wouldn't even encourage you to listen to the show, by the way. You know, I'm just simply giving you my perspective and my experience because I believe that I am not alone and that my story is not unique. And that I believe, and I believe that some other people can benefit from my words. So if that's not you, feel free to turn the show off, you know? Um, I had somebody reach out to me this week uh, uh, that w- that actually took one of the art the episodes that I had and um, it was it was not only not helpful but it actually made her, uh, this this lady this wonderful lady that I've known for a long time very sad uh, and she's 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 about my age so it just broke my heart because you know I'm aiming for that that age so when I make this show I'm aiming for young believers. Uh, pursuing the goal of marriage and family and it made her sad and I I was I broke my heart to hear that but what I would say guys is not everything you hear is for you um just don't don't feel feel no pressure to take what I'm saying as a direct address to your life situation I'm giving you my life experience my life situation so that others who have my life situation and experience can benefit from my words and learn what I learned when I was young so that is my motive in making this show. Again, feel feel free to eat the grapes and spit out the seeds of whatever I say. You do not have to adopt everything I say as, as truth or as, as accurate or as representative of your life experience. That's what I would like to say. Hi, guys. I want to take a quick break and tell you about an opportunity that you guys have as listeners to become subscribers of this podcast. Now, in order to become a sub, all you have to do is follow the subscribe link in the show notes found in the description of each episode. And when you subscribe, you'll get access to exclusive material, including additional interviews, all of my spoken word poetry pieces, all of my dramatized allegorical short stories, and even more of my article readings, okay? So lots of content will be available to you that won't be available to anyone else. Subscribing to the show only costs $5 a month, which is less than most people spend on their lunch at work every day, okay? So you won't even notice it disappearing from your bank account. If you enjoy listening to the show and you're looking for an opportunity to financially support the content you care about, this is your chance, okay? Follow the link in the show notes to become a sub. Thank you so much for choosing this show to listen listen to. And now, without further ado, let's get back to the episode. And so what I would really like for you guys to notice today is that there is no, these words stand out of, of Mary Ortwine. She says, there is no fear in her. There is no sign of fear in her, she says. And that is what I believe enabled this successful ministry between Jesus and one of his children to be such a successful ministry moment. She was not afraid. If she would have been afraid of Jesus, if she would have been afraid of what he had to say, if she would have been afraid of his call to action, of his very penetrative you know, insight into her life, then she would not have been primed to receive the transformation that God was offering her in that moment. She would not have been able to get out of that moment what God was trying to do if she had been afraid of Jesus. Fear ruins everything, guys. It ruins your ability to connect with those around you. It ruins your ability to move past superficial and into deep. It ruins your ability to do anything of value. It ruins your ability to connect with other people in relationships. Fear is the worst thing in a relationship. You cannot have intimacy in a relationship if there is fear present, right? The the level of fear present controls the quality of relationship. So if you have no fear in a relationship, you've got a potential for a really good relationship. If you've got bucket loads of fear, I'm sorry, you're going to have to address that before you, um, before you move on. You know, uh, uh, to give a personal example, 
I could not have in my personal life. I have not been able to have a a very good relationship with my boss or supervisor or somebody in authority over me. Oftentimes, because there is that fear of um, subordinate obedience, and I have to be able to do the right thing, and if I don't. Uh, I'm either disappointing you or there's a consequence or that there's problems for other people that I create in the workplace. So my point is because there's that fear, there's that reverence that uh, it's not really a reverence though. It's more of a, it's more of an actual fear of uh, creating a problem because there's that fear of creating a problem for my boss. It's very difficult for me to have good relationships with my bosses and it has been in the past. Fear makes it very difficult to have a healthy relationship Uh you know, with anybody. And to use a more deep example, let's go, let's go a little deeper, guys. To use a more deep example, when I've been in relationships in the past, romantic relationships, I've been afraid constantly and deeply that I was going to be left. There was a very visceral and real fear based on pretty good evidence that I was going to be left. I wasn't just, you know, paranoid. There were, there were signs, there were red flags that this person was not as invested in the relationship as I was. And for that reason, I was constantly afraid. I was constantly afraid of doing something wrong. I was what Jordan Peterson would call a quote unquote scared cat the whole relationship because I was always afraid of stepping on the wrong eggshell and blowing up the entire relationship. I felt like the relationship was a straw house that was only held together by my perfect behavior. And if, because this person really didn't love me, they loved the way I either treated them, they loved the way I made them feel, they loved the way that, um, they loved the idea of being in a romantic connection with me for a summer, but they weren't really in love with me. They weren't in love with Seth. And for that reason, the only reason that I felt like I could hold up this straw house was by doing everything perfectly. And that if I made any mistakes, I would be like the big bad wolf in the Three Little Pigs story who just literally blows the entire house of the relationship over and it comes crumbling down. That's how I thought, that's how delicate and fragile I thought the connection was because I was so afraid. The fear caused the connection to be fragile. My fear of being abandoned, being rejected, being turned down caused the relationship to be fragile, right? My fear of being the problem, being the reason the relationship wouldn't work caused the relationship to be fragile because I was constantly afraid something would go wrong. And because I was afraid of being left, because I thought I would be left, in the end, I did not reveal as much as I, my, of my heart as I wanted to. And I did not reveal everything about me that I wanted to because I was not trusting. I did not trust that person to stick around. And it turned out it was, you know, for good reason because they left. They abandoned me and just gone. Even though I, I made it clear that I'm only interested in something lasting. And by the way, I would actually recommend you guys that, and I did not do that enough. I actually did not make it clear enough uh, that I was only interested in something lasting, um, you know, initially. And that's a huge mistake that I made, guys. And I would I would recommend, again, you've heard me, if you've heard me say this once, you've heard it a million times, please make sure you're entering a relationship with somebody with the same goal as you. You know, if somebody's just looking for a summer fling and you're looking to get married, that's probably not a relationship you should enter, you know. Make sure your visions are aligned in the sense of sticking around. So that's something I would throw in there. But my point in this episode, guys, is fear ruins relationships. It makes relationships unattainably bad. It, it, what I mean is it, that that was a poor way of phrasing it. It makes relate. You are unable to step into intimacy and vulnerability and connection with somebody if you are afraid of that person or of the relationship breaking apart. Okay, and so that's this woman. She had no fear, and the reason that Jesus was able to minister to her appropriately and that it was a successful ministry was because she was not afraid. Right. 
And again, I just think this is a wonderful story that we can take a lot from, but she closes off her article here with a prayer. She says, Lord, thirst for me. Let the, let me be the woman at the well today. Let me let you talk to me in deep ways. Help me be an honest and vulnerable with God as she was. Help me be as open as she was to let Jesus into all the nicks and crannies of my soul. Jesus, say to me today, give me a drink. That is the where she closes off her prayer. About the author, Mary Ortwine lives in Frankfort, Kentucky. Oh, pretty close. Uh, so she's a Kentuckian author. In the U.S., a convert to Catholicism in 1969. Yep, the year my dad was born, she was a, a convert to Catholicism. Um, and I was I was right in my in my suspicions last week that she was Catholic. First of all, I was sent this art, article by a Catholic, and I think Lent was in the title, so I thought she was, but... Uh, she says, Mary had a deep conversion in 2010. She earned a theology degree from St. Mainrad School of Theology in 2015. Now an oblate of St. Mainrad, Mary takes as her model Anna, who met the Holy Family in the temple at the presentation. Like Anna, Mary spends time praying, working in church settings, and enjoying the people she meets. Though formally retired, Mary continues to work part-time as a marriage and family therapist and supervisor, a grandmother and widow. She divides the rest of her time between facilitating small faith-sharing groups, writing, and being with family and friends. Early in her life, Mary worked avidly in the pro-life movement. In recent years, she has taken the form of Eucharistic ministry to care-bound and educating the end-of-life matters. Now, as respect for human life returns to the center stage, she seeks to find ways to communicate God's love and lordship for all from the moment of conception through the moment we appear before Jesus when life ends. So that's just a little bio, bio about Mary uh, Ortwine and kind of her history. The reason, again, one of the reasons that I reviewed this article is because it was written by a retired licensed marriage or family therapist, uh, which, again, I would love to be one day. But as of right now, I'm going to take a break from schooling and use my bachelor's degree to get a stable job <laughs> and some insurance and sick days and summer pay as a teacher. That's what I'm looking for right now. That's going to be my next step. So I um, won't be going back for that license for a bit, but in the end, guys, I will. I do intend to go back for my degree in marriage and family therapy and hopefully become a counselor for uh, people who are going through hard times in their marriage. So thank you guys so much for listening today, though. I hope you've enjoyed this article and the perspective of this retired marriage and family therapist. If you've enjoyed or if you have any comments at all, if you have any concerns, any questions, any thanks, any praise, any anything at all, reach out and let me know through the link in the show notes. You could send me a personalized audio voice message in your own voice. Love to hear those. It makes me feel super connected to my audience. And you can also make the podcasting system two-way that way. Instead of me just talking to you, you're also talking back to me. And you also have the opportunity to follow the Restoring Report podcast, Landon and myself on Facebook and Instagram if you're interested in the content we post there as well. So thank you guys so much for listening to me today and we will talk to you next time.